Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Good morning, everyone. And well, it actually is sucky morning. So, <laughs> as you know, Lou, you drove in it. Yeah. Just, well, uh, well, <laughs> yeah. You know, the wind Go stopped ahead. right as I got in the car. I mean, it's it wasn't too bad for my drive over. So hopefully, it might be done for the day. But I don't know what you got, but we got you know a little bit of snow here. I don't know, maybe one or two inches, but you know, it was snow enough to you have to shovel, and then we got all. Uh, pouring rain on top of it so i've got a, a slush bowl out there which yep. after the show i'm gonna have to be out there pushing it around so i'm not thrilled about that no snow can't just snow blow. no can't use the snow blow on it because oh, <laughs> that's the worst thing it just it, seriously it just clogs up yeah. all the time it's useless yeah. uh but anyway so welcome to ghost chronicles morning edition i am ron kolick and as you can see i am broadcasting from home and in studio is the professor lou blasi symptom free for over a week i will be back in the studio next week <laughs> so i i get i get a question do you ever hear of the nullabar nola nolab nullabar or nullabar plane <laughs> in australia plane in no. australia plane yeah yeah no no okay okay so i gotta talk to you a little bit about this this is the nullabar plane it's the largest piece of limestone on earth Ooh. and this is a huge 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 plane it's hundreds of miles okay it is uh the name lullabar or it is a nullabar excuse me nullabar uh N-U-L-L-A-R-B-O-R -L -L comes from the Latin word meaning nullness or nothing. Hmm. And uh, arbor meaning tree. So no trees. Sort of like this show, <laughs> Nullabar. Anyway, and it's it's all uh, just basically uh, salt bush and blue bush. And it runs in a huge, it's a giant place. And it has... Over a hundred thousand wild camels uh, roaming across across the plain. Wild what? Camels. Camels in Australia. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Australia is like the worst. I mean, it's a great echo laboratory, but the worst things you can do wrong is in Australia because they brought the camels in. And now they got all these camels running around because it, they have these vast regions that are desolate. And so they figured, hey, I got a bright idea. Let's get camels. Ah, well, they got away. And you know the other story. Yep. And it also the same thing with rabbits. They brought in rabbits and because they were and now they're overrunning rabbits. So it's a typical, no native, typical thing. No native rabbits in Australia? Nope, nope, nope. Got to remember, Australia was a landlocked country. That's why they still had wallabies and kangaroos and all some of these other creatures that you don't see anywhere else, yeah. uh, because it, you know it was uh, basically a, a landlocked. So there's over a hundred thousand camels on this, and like a, it is also a million ways to die in Australia, isn't there? I mean, there's all kinds of ways. To yeah, die. I, do you watch that on Netflix? The seventy-two things that can kill you. I used to love no. that show. Oh no, and they had Australia. Yeah, it was 72 things from like they had Australia, Asia, America, and it was pretty cool. Uh, yeah. yeah, it was good. In fact, when I got my booster shot, uh, I was talking to a, a woman uh, who, who gave the shot and she uh, went and volunteered, excuse me, didn't volunteer down there. She worked down there for with the animals down in Australia and we were talking. So to give you an idea how big this plane is. It is the home of the longest straight road on the planet. Wow. It is 146.6 kilometers. I can't do my math right now. It's called <laughs> the, oh God, Iron, E-Y-R-E. -E. How do you say that, Lou? 
E-Y-R-E. Eerie. Eerie. So it's kind of like the guy from Winnie the Pooh, huh? Yeah, that's right. The donkey. Yeah. 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 Eel, only eerie. It stretches. uh, It's curve free from uh, God. Kagaguna to Balladonia. Whatever the (laughs) hell that is. If that's not going to put you to sleep, I don't know what is. Do you? No. No, I got no idea. I'm trying to look it up now here. Oh, okay. God. Yep. But this is the really interesting fact. It's also, by the way, that you can play on the world's longest golf course there. Oh, really? Wow. Interesting fact, if, if you like yep. golf. All right. Now comes the paranormal part. It is also the home of the Nullabar nymph. Ooh. A naked girl who runs with kangaroos and dingoes and <laughs> seduces men and devours their penis. <laughs> I think I dated her. I'm not sure. <laughs> You've never heard of that, huh? No, I've never heard of that one. Okay. Yeah, it's... Uh, Apparently there was a so, movie about uh, that's it a couple story. years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me get into that. I, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, that's... Uh, yeah, it's, it is a movie. If, in fact, it's on uh, my favorite on, show, Tubby's. It's, it's on Tubby. Excellent. Yep, it's called The Nullabar Nymph. And uh, yeah, you can watch it. It's a very bad movie, but never stops me from watching anything. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, anyways... People from all over the world came to try to catch pictures and, and try to catch the Nullabar nymph. But the, uh, the no, interesting as far part, away from her as possible. <laughs> <laughs> so the interesting part about this this whole thing is, and this is the problem with the internet too, is that uh, uh, back in December of 1971, uh, there was a gentleman, let me see if I can get his name, a gentleman, as I say that loosely, uh, uh-huh. who showed up with footage of a grainy woman running with uh, dingles and kangaroos. Uh-huh. No one's ever captured. Uh, and what had happened is uh, George G-E-O-O-F, how do you say that? Is that G-O-F? G-E-O-O-F. So what had happened on Boxing Day in 1971, Geoff Pierce, a PR man passing through the town, uh, couldn't pay his hotel bill. Mm -hmm. By the way, the town has like eight people in it. (laughs) (laughs) So he couldn't pay the motel bill, so he came up with a solution. He would uh, create uh, a PR publicity campaign that would put E. Cooler on the map, that's E-U-C-L-A. Oh, wow. The population at that time was uh, eight people. Yep. Okay. So they all met over, up at the diner. And they over, no, no, over a few schooners, whatever they are, there must be a drink. Yep. You have to find that out for me. Look, I want to know what a schooner is. Uh, a schooner at a bar. Yeah, just like the, the, the ship. Jeffrey uh, learned uh, up uh, let's see. He teamed up with a couple can- kangaroo shooters named uh, Laurie Scott, who convinced the Genesis, uh, convinced Janice Brooker, his partner and future wife, to be photographed as the nymph. On a moonlit evening, pranksters even arranged for Genesia, clad only in kangaroo skins, to run across the road at 1.45 in the morning so tourists on a passing bus could see uh, see her. Some of the passengers were so concerned about the woman's plight they left sandwich and sweets for her. <laughs> I like these people. I want to have a beer with these people. Yeah, I definitely want to. Uh, 
so anyways, that's I, I don't want to go with the rest of it is pretty much history. Uh, a schooner but, is a large that? capacity. A schooner is a large capacity beer glass. So these are big beers. Oh, okay, yeah. So yeah. it's not a drink; it's actually a glass. So yeah. it's a big ass beer. Yep. It's like when you go to ninety nine, they say, "Do you want a sixteen or a 24? Yeah, I mean, I don't think they're right? drinking drinks with umbrellas on them in the middle of Australia or in the Australian outback. I, I had I no know. idea what it was. No. They're all men and they're drinking beer. There's no doubt about it. I think so. So it can show you how you, you, I bet you, you know, and, and I'm not saying, I bet you all these reports in the paranormal that you see all over the place and all these picture, films that come up, who want to bet there's a little bit of creativity in, in the designing of some of these? Oh, yeah. There's a certain percentage of all this stuff that you see that is put on. There is no doubt about it. But this is a great yeah. story that they're getting together in this little Isn't town in, in the middle of freaking Australia. It's like, I can't pay my bill. Can't but pay what his about bill. This? Yeah. <laughs> and they talk somebody's wife into putting kangaroo skins on. <laughs> <laughs> they were still wet, by the way. She said, uh, I had uh, to coat myself with talcum powder before slipping into the kangaroo skins because they were still fresh and wet. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, that's horrible. Well, I'll have to try that. Why Saturday are they night. skinning kangaroos? What's going on there? Because that's what they do. That's what they do. The guy, the, they teamed up with a kangaroo shooter. So evidently they, they take, take the kangaroo for whatever, meat or skins and stuff, I guess. I don't know. Are there kangaroo jackets Don't you remember that? Don't you remember that song from the uh, the uh, 60s, probably? Tie Me that Kangaroo Down, Mate. Yes, I do remember that song. Don't you remember that song? Yep. Tie Me Kangaroo Down, Spot. Tie Me Kangaroo Down. <laughs> now, I want to be a fly on the wall on the discussion where they talk this woman into doing this. Yeah, my wife will do it. Yeah, yeah no problem. Just get her a couple more schooners. She'll be fine. <laughs> You know, we, we talk, I mean, Australia seems like the kind of country that men are men. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Does it? Men are men. What I'm saying is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of sheep in there, too. <laughs> no, see, that's what I love but, about this. This isn't some metrosexual bar in Manhattan where they came up, cracked it, this story. This is like, I mean, these guys had to be drunk, first of all. Are at least well into like, it. Yeah, yeah, and they just came up with the scheme and pulled. I think it's great. I love this story. I know that's. I mean, like I said, I was uh, uh, laying in bed trying to find something to watch uh, late at night, and uh, as I usually do, I usually pop on something that I can find that, yeah. that looks strange and weird. So, what did I'm you watch? The movie or the documentary? And, uh, I watched the. It's the same thing. It's a documentary. It's. It's a mock mockumentary. Oh God, I love this. Okay, great. I know what I'm watching tonight. Oh, it's bad though, Lou. I gotta tell you, it's bad. It's really bad. <laughs> bad in a good way or bad in and a bad. Make... It's so bad you like it. At least yeah. I do. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not sorry. That I watched it the least bit. I mean, it was it was horrible <laughs> as far as the, what it was. But uh, yeah, I mean, in, in the the woman they made the woman look. You know, when you first see her, she looks so beautiful and everything else. You know, they, they make, well, compared to what she turns into. And then when she comes like, ah, the hair's all up and crazy. She, she looks like Phyllis Dilla. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was a riot. I, so it gave me some material for today's show. So I, I just had to bring this up because uh, it goes to show you that. Over the course yeah. of history, how many towns have developed something like this, a local fable or, or something? like that? I mean, God, Roswell is based on something exactly like this. That's the thing. I mean, you know, it, it goes to show you that all this information it, and it's on the Internet. So people say, "Ooh, this is really true. You know, it's on the Internet. You know, I yeah. mean, it's like, no, I mean, uh, I don't know. It, it, it's weird. Maybe What's that's that, what the, New England Ghost Project should do. Maybe we should come up with a New England ghost. Let's just try to let's try to I can't do that. Let's see if we can get a hoax going. Let's that would see if we can get kill my credit kill my credibility. One thing I've no, always no. been is honest. So no, do I it can't. as a study to see if we can get all the cable ghost shows out here. To, to try to find <laughs> this ghost. We, 
that's an idea. We actually, uh, we did Spirit Quest, Steve Parsons and myself, uh, one year, we uh, we did the ghost hunt every Saturday night. We do some type of a, an event, usually a ghost hunt of some sort, and it has a theme in it. And one year we did a theme where we, well, Steve basically <laughs> made up all these stories about the nuns and all these uh, terrible things that happened. And it was all made up. And uh, yeah. Yeah. So we just wanted to see what kind of uh, reactions we got. And we told the people afterwards, you know, because it's one, like I said, one thing we are is honest. You can't, you can't sure. lie because once you get caught in a lie, you're screwed. Even if whatever you get after that is true, you're screwed. But, but some people, people do are that. Hungry they, for this. People are hungry for this stuff. They, they want to of believe. Of course they do. Yeah. I think, I think because of, uh, you know, like all these paranormal uh, destinations, I would be surprised if there was a little tomfoolery going on in that. And the people's mindset going in, they're looking for whatever, you know, it's automatically going to be paranormal. Yeah. How tough would it be? And it's like, you wouldn't have to go extravagant. You wouldn't have to manifest a ghost or anything, just some noises or something. No. I mean, how, how tough would that be? Yeah. It, uh, sometimes you don't even have to do that. You can just create the story and produce the right conditions that people will witness a paranormal event. Yeah, power, and that's true. Power of suggestion, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes, and uh, th that's always one of the you know if you talk to a parapsychologist, uh, they'll always tell you about that. You know, you're in a you're in a haunted location, so your mind is already uh, you, you know we see everything through our own mind through our own psyche so yep. you're already your mind is already think already thinking that you know it's like you know we go we go into a dark wo woods or something we have something in our mind that whether we had an experience we were a child or we watched a tv show we watched had a you know who knows what but there's something in there that that annoys people or, or makes them anxious at the very least you know it's you know they walk into a dark woods you have that little same thing walking to a dark building, especially now that you know that Bill's haunted, haunted you get that uh, feeling. So, what about what's that? What's that place out in Western Mass, the Husek Tunnel? Husek Tunnel, yes, that's cool, very cool, by the way. Yeah, but that's a place you walk into and you're, you're on edge. You got to be on edge walking into it anyway, an abandoned tunnel. Nah, Jeez. it's not abandoned. Who told you it was abandoned? Oh, it's abandoned. Oh no, you can still it's drive. It's active. It? It's actually a federal crime if you go in it. Oh, I see. Okay, I didn't know. <laughs> it's a. Trust me, I was in it when the train went by. <laughs> oh, so it's a and, train uh, tunnel, and there's still trains using it. Yes, it's an active train tunnel. Yep. Yeah, trains go through it. Yeah, well, think about think about even in like real estate, you have to disclose ghost stories, or, or if you told somebody, not somebody... always, depending on on the particular uh, state you're in. But just just tell somebody that's going to buy a house that was built over an Indian burial ground, which is like all of New England, by the way. But <laughs> I am so glad you brought that up because I I'm sure you you watched this the football game and you realize that the Buffalo Stadium was built on a Indian burial ground. Yeah, and yep. they sent one of their employees to walk around the stadium and sage it before the game. <laughs> Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. <laughs> That's a true story. They actually talked about it on the show. They they sent one of their employees to sage around the entire. He walked around the entire stadium saging it because it it's a crest. So That's funny because the. Uh... Uh, the stadium in the Meadowlands is a mafia burial ground. So, <laughs> yeah, what, what part of New York is it? <laughs> <laughs> really, exactly. Yeah. And the, what part of New England of is an Indian burial ground? There are Indians yeah. buried. What part of this Native country American... is an Indian burial ground? Yeah. yeah. And and the interesting thing too is is you look at uh, um, Cincinnati, who won their playoff game. Finally, they broke the what the curse of Herschel yeah. Walker. So. Oh, really. Yeah, because they're the one that put Herschel Walker, which was he was a great player. Yeah. Do you remember him at all? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Baseball yeah, sure. and two sport, pro sports. No, not pro Herschel sports. Walker. That was Bo Jackson. Bo Jackson. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Was it Herschel Walker? Bo, who did they injured? I thought it was Bo Jackson. Maybe it's Bo Jackson. I don't yeah, know. Maybe. Who knows? Maybe. 
Bo Jackson, yeah. Oh, he was probably great. Bo yeah. Jackson because he, his career was cut short. I apologize. You know me and we're yeah. in names. So I just like totally muddle, muddle everything up. So, he had hip injury. He was uh, anyway. a terrific player in both sports, actually. But he, he ended up with a hip yeah, injury. He, he was. He up his hip. Yeah. Broke the bat. Remember that? Yep. <laughs> yeah. I got his rookie cat somewhere. Oh, do you? Nice. Yeah. I guess. So anyways, uh, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but this is a very special week because one of our greatest Americans uh, died during this week. And, of course, I am talking about uh, Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, one of <laughs> He's our a great American? Most yeah. Great American. Of course he was. Of course he was. Yeah. Great yeah. American. Of course he was. Yeah. Don't you know Edgar Allan Poe? I know who he is. And... Yes. I, and I, I, I don't know if you wanted to end the. Sh- I I didn't know if you wanted to end the show and do doing the Raven together. Uh, oh, I, uh, if you want to try it, it's a it's a long poem, but I'll take one verse. You take one verse, and we could go out the show that way. Whatever you want. I don't know. What do you think? You want to try it? I'll mangle it. You know that, right? Yeah, that'll be half the fun. Okay, okay good. So. Edgar Allan Poe was uh, born uh, uh, on this day, on the 19th, actually, in Boston, Massachusetts. Oh, really? By the way. Yeah. I was associated with Baltimore. I don't know why. Everybody does. Uh, I've been, he used to hang out in Lowell. I, yeah. what about, I'm sorry, what about Lowell? He used to hang out in Lowell, the oh. bar in Lowell. Yeah. yeah, he was another guy, yeah. But, uh, you know, he was a literary trailblazer, uh, blazer. Uh, you know, we all know him for his poems and, and, and haunting tales, but he was uh, one of the earliest shot writers uh, and uh, the inventor of the modern detective story. Oh, really? Did not know that. And an innovator in the science fiction gender, genre. Was it gender or genre? Genre. 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 <laughs> yeah, General Picard. <laughs> uh, uh, he uh, his works included numerous short stories, poems, novels, a textbook, a book of scientific theory, and numerous essays and book reviews. So he was a prolific writer. <laughs> he was a prolific writer. Yeah, that too. He also yeah. created a new profession. Uh, Poe is considered the America's first well-known professional writer. <laughs> and uh, he ached out a living uh, in the country's first great literary critic and theoretician. He also appeared on The Simpsons. That's true. Who didn't, though? Uh, he was probably named after uh, a character from uh, Shakespeare. Did you know that? No. Yep, he was uh, born in Boston in 1809. His parents were both actors. Uh, his parents were performing Shakespeare's King Lear the year he was born, leading to speculation he was named after the Earl of Gloucester's son, Edgar. Oh, interesting. Yep. Uh, poetry and pen ran in his uh, family. Uh, Poe came from, uh, he was the middle of three children. His brother, William Henry Leonard Poe, was a poet, and Rosalind Poe uh, was a teacher of penmanship, which I oh. could definitely use. I know that. <laughs> Do you, you write have pen- penmanship in school? Uh, yes, I believe so. Early, but yeah. As, as I always tell somebody when they see my signature, I earn my D's in penmanship because I sucked at penmanship. <laughs> do you write in cursive now or do you write you know, blocks? I out? scribble. Yeah. I scribble. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You don't use script at all? I don't use cursive now. Not at all. You know, I'm thinking, I don't know if I do either. That's sad, really. It's such a beautiful art for those who do it. Yeah, but you know we ought to. You know what we ought to do too is um, when I worked for uh, Macy's, I had a woman with me, Sicilian. You'd like her, <laughs> and 
what she would do is she would analyze your pen, your penmanship. Oh, really? She could she could tell your who you were from your penmanship. It was pretty cool. I think that's a legitimate. She did it for, uh, well, I don't know how legitimate. I don't know. I, well, don't they? Wait a minute. Don't they have uh, FBI analysts, analysts do that crap too? Yeah, they do. Yeah. Yeah. So there must be some science to it, right? Yeah, I'm sure they've gotten some good results. But I, I was going to say it's legitimate science. But then as I'm thinking about it, I mean, how could it be? How could, how could you take personality? I, I suppose you could take personality traits from people from the way they write. You're not talking about, you know, the future or, or anything. You're talking about a person's no. personality, which is we are who we are, right? Yep. Unless you're bipolar or or what's the other word? Where you split? What's that called? Just maniac personality? Split personality, or yeah. yeah. I wonder if split personalities have two different signatures. That would be interesting. Interesting. We got to see if we can find a handwriting an analyst. I think it'd be I great. Know. I know. I've been thinking about it. I can't. The other day, I was cleaning. By the way, that's uh, a great cleaning. question. By the way, if split personalities yeah, was, have different forms of handwriting, I was cleaning the um, the love shack. You know, getting rid of some crap. Try to get for my son in case when you know because I'm getting on in years, and sooner or later I kick the bucket, and the less crap I can leave him here. Yeah. The better happy he'll be. The less time I get cursed too. Yeah. <laughs> when I'm going, <laughs> Dad, why'd you keep this crap? <laughs> but, uh, anyways, yeah, I came across uh, some of the things I did. I, I did a whole. He did. She did Maureen. She did a whole bunch of people that I know. Uh, she, yeah, Cecilia Lover. In fact, she gave me when I left, uh, which is another intriguing thing. Is the you still in contact uh, with her? Maybe we should talk to her. No, I don't know her. See this? Yes. So that's of answers. So soul. book of answers. Oh, the souls. Soul book books of answer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Give me a give me a for instance. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna okay, we'll we'll do it for you. I'm gonna I'm gonna like flip through it and then you say stop. Go ahead. Stop. <laughs> fall out of thinking okay great i like it <laughs> i'll do mine for the day let's see what mine's gonna be uh stop the wind does not break a tree that bends ah nice. that's clever yeah. i like that one I, yes sounds like a yomadi uh from the uh, karate kid one right <laughs> i guess yeah Anyway, so anyways, uh, Poe was an orphan. Uh, he his uh, when he reached the age of four, his parents died, and he was taken in by a wealthy merchant named John Allen and his wife Frances. They lived in Richmond, Virginia, and he was christened christened uh, with the name Edgar Allan Poe. So that's how he mm -hmm. got the Allen in there. How did his parents die? Parents name. How did his parents die? I do not know that. It doesn't give me that information. Yep. So he also emula emulated uh, Lord Byron, who is probably my most famous, I mean, my favorite poet of all times, by the way. And, and really? the only one I can actually quote. Uh, so, yeah. Poe's foster fa father groomed him to go into the business and become a Virginia gentleman. But Poe dreamt of being a writer like his boyhood hero, the British poet Lord Byron. By the time he was 13, Poe had written enough poetry for a book. And uh, even though his headmaster convinced Poe's father uh, not, oh, his, even though his headmaster convinced Poe's father not to allow it to be published. That's terrible. That's that's just terrible. Yep. Don't you think? I do. Yeah. Post father left yeah, and his mother died of tuberculosis. Yeah. When father die? He left. Just, just left. Just left, yeah. Left in eighteen ten. Just left. Yep. He left. There's a romantic story that they both died in fire, know. theater fire, but they didn't know. Uh they were poets. He was a poet. Yeah. Uh, he published his first poem, our first book, um, Tamerlan, 
Tamerlane, while he was 18, that's pretty good. Yeah. It wasn't self-published, by the way. Uh, you know, actually, unlike today's yeah. people. Uh... Right. <laughs> Anybody can write a book. Uh, yeah. Poverty was his muse. Poe po started his college career, but with little financial support from his uh, miserly father, Alan, Poe embarked on a long journey of po poverty and debt. Money problems haunted him. Uh, tensions with his foster uh, father prompted him to be determined to become a professional writer. So he's pretty much like, yeah. Yeah. I love Lord Byron. Lord Byron was good. He he fought in the Spanish America, uh, Spanish Civil War, and everything else. He was he was cool. Hmm. Parsons related to him. He tells me. <laughs> oh, really? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He was also uh, disinherited by his things. Anyways, he married his teen Colin cousin. Um, he married his first cousin Virginia Clem. When she was 13 and he was 27. Wow. You know, robbed the cradle. Yeah, I'd say. But she died at the age of uh, 24 from TB, oh, which is rampant back in the day. That's yeah. how Jan's mother and father met, both in a, a TB hospital. Oh, really? Yeah. They were both, they both had it and recovered, or they were working in a TB hospital? Yeah, they both recovered. Yeah. No. Oh, wow. Yep, they both had it and they both recovered. They used to have men's... Uh, dorms and, and women's dorms but they would get together every so often and uh and of course you know his his death is is uh shrouded in mystery i don't right. know if you're aware of that no tell us uh, in, in 1849 poe went missing five days later he was found the worst for wear and delirious in baltimore in someone else's clothes by the way too uh, he was hmm. taken to the hospital where he soon died at the age of 40. No autopsy was performed. The cause of death uh, was listed as a vague congestion of the brain. Congestion like of the brain. Yeah. <laughs> he was buried two days later. Experts and scholars have proposed everything from murder, rabies, to <laughs> dipsomania, carbon dioxide poison, uh, and even syphilis. Yeah. Today, uh, it is. It remains a death. Uh, it is mystery today. I don't know. He's a professional writer. He had no money. Sounds like drugs to me. They didn't find. Well, he wasn't a. They didn't do a it. Druggie that I know of. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't think he was a druggie, as far as I know. All it takes is one time, Ron. Maybe you went to the wrong yes, party. Yes, I know that. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. Maybe he went to the wrong Which, party and tried something and. Never recovered. Yeah. I have no idea. So anyway, that's. Uh, so um, you you know what? I wonder, you, you know about the Poe toaster, right? No, I don't. <laughs> the Poe toaster? Yeah. This, this happened for years and years. That one you can look up. In fact, I, I would like you to look up. Poe toaster and uh it's basically this gentleman would show up on his on wednesday i guess right what's today 17th yeah on wednesday at his grave with uh, a half a bottle of cognac and uh um flowers and uh he would kneel at his grave and he was was been seen for years and years and years hmm. uh but i i think it disappeared did you find him this is written in uh, 2017. It was an annual tribute as a mysterious as its honoree. Every year on Alan, Alan, Edgar Allan Poe's birthday, a masked man would leave three red roses and a bottle of cognac on his grave. From around 1949, the centennial of Poe's death, until 2009, this somebody or somebody's toasted the famous author who was born on this day in 1849. They usually uh, came sometime between midnight and 6 a.m., wrote the Baltimore Sun's Laura Lippman in 2000. No one ever tried to unmask the visitor, she reported, but his ritual was watched by a small group of onlookers. The traditional uniform of the Potosa was an all-black outfit with a white scarf and a big hat, as can be seen in this Life magazine photograph. From 1977 until the end, that crowd included Jeff Jerome, now former curator of the Pope House, 
Bob McMillan of the Herald Citizen described how Jerome would wait every year for the visit to Poe's grave, which is in Baltimore's Westminster burial ground, a small graveyard besides fittingly a gothic looking uh, de deconsecrated church. No one knows why the Poe toaster toasted the writer with cognac, writes Edgar Allan Poe's society. The drink doesn't appear in any of his works. Um, maybe the toaster just like cognac. As for the roses, Poe enthusiasts, <laughs> Poe's enthusiasts think the gesture represents the three persons who remains are beneath the monument. Poe, his wife, Virginia Clem Poe, and his mother-in-law, Maria Clem. Over the years, Jerome became the keeper of notes often left by, by the graveside and... Uh, left graveside and the tradition he was also there in 1999 to see a note indicating the torch had been passed and the toaster had died leaving his sons to carry out the tradition but things were different mcmillan writes the sons didn't always take the tradition as seriously as their father sometimes the toaster showed up in street clothes sometimes notes were left that were completely off target and disappointed jerome a disappointed jerome withheld them simply telling the crowd that the toaster had come and gone then in 2009, the tradition stopped altogether. Perhaps it was just time. Jerome also suggested that the attention the yearly visit received may have scared off the toasters. Post Society somewhat scathingly notes that would-be copycats hoping for the same kind of recognitions have been dismissed as faux toasters. Faux po toasters. Faux toaster. I like that. <laughs> but a Jerome-sanctioned comeback for the toaster happened in 2016 when the tradition was resurrected by the Maryland Historical Society who held auditions but Baltimore's next Poe toaster, writes Michael Debchek from <laughs> Floss. He dressed the same and held a similar cer ceremony, but this toaster wasn't anonymous, and the event was a public celebration. The new toaster will walk again this weekend on January 21st. And again, that was 2017. Well, that's I good. I still going on. Yeah. yeah, you should. I mean, traditions are traditions. It's neat. Just a fan, right? Sounds like. And it, I don't know if you're aware of that, but uh, this also had football imp implications. No, there were a I couple of times the Poe toasted to show up, and that's when Baltimore didn't make the playoffs or something. That I, I, so uh, oh, look God. at um, see if you can dig that up. That's uh, the relationship between the Poe toaster and the Baltimore football team. Try that. I don't know. Okay. See if that works for you. The okay, toaster and the Ravens. There you go. The Ravens. See, Baltimore Ravens, right? Yeah. Uh, tragic uh, uh, Raver uh, lit poster. <laughs> yeah, I know. Get tons of crap. They always like to write instead of just giving you the facts. <laughs> no, there's no real. Just facts, I haven't found man. just the facts. I haven't um, found a story linking the two yet here. Oh, really? Uh. Because it gets caught up with, you know, his poem, The Raven. So I'm trying to. Uh. Yeah. Oh, for God's sakes. <laughs> yeah, spam. I'll just disconnect that. Uh. looking here any luck no no luck yet yeah no ridge okay the ravens were named after edgar Allan poe's but anyways poem as well they should <laughs> yes but oh, it, it is an interesting thing and there is a relationship i i'm really not sure uh uh Okay, I'm gonna. Nothing's coming up right here. Okay, sorry about that. No, it's okay. But there is there is definitely a relationship that I know. Uh, that I do know. Okay. But whatever. Mm -hmm. I'll find it for next week. Then we'll just let it go. Okay. Excellent. Uh, yeah, we'll just let it go. Um, do you remember, of course, you remember Tim Tebow, right? Sure. What about? So, uh, yeah, back when he was hot and, and everybody was doing the, the Tebow, you know. Yeah. And uh, I, I went over to, I went over 
to a grave up in uh, Dracut and uh, dressed up like the Poe toaster. And uh, <laughs> I took a, a teapot, actually, I think I had with me and, and put it down on the grave. And uh, Laura Worcester took this, the photograph and it's it was titled the Tebow Toaster. <laughs> Teapot toaster, the teapot toaster. <laughs> I like it. The Who's grave with toaster? It? Yeah. Was it anybody in particular? No, it doesn't matter. Okay, just went to a grave. No, yeah. not really. I just needed I needed a cool grave for the for the picture. That's all it was. But anyway, what's the most so, famous grave? Uh, well, there locally, was... what's the most famous grave locally that we could start a tradition like that? I mean, there are lots of them. Jay Leno's, Jay Leno's parents. <laughs> That's as good as you get, Jay Leno's parents. <laughs> <laughs> Off the top of my head. <laughs> I mean, there are famous graves. There's the Barney Witch grave in Lowell Cemetery, which, you know, is, it's got its own tales to it and everything else. But, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, anyway, that's uh, <laughs> uh So, anyways. As you know, and, and I brought up the Ravens football team. Uh, do you know anything about Ravens? Ravens? I know Ravens are extremely smart, aren't they? They're said They're to be extremely exceptionally smart. smart. Uh, Ravens are thought to be the messenger of Odin. Oh. Odin is the Norse god. Yeah. Uh, Ravens diet consists mainly of roadkill. Scavengers, yes. Ra yeah, Ravens, uh, symbol of death in many many countries and cultures. Makes sense. And this is this is kind of like me, actually. The Ravens mate for life. Oh, really? So, yep. So they only they get one Ravenette. Is it Ravenette? <laughs> I don't know. That's... I don't know what do you call a female Raven. <laughs> a Ravenette. <I> <laughs> Ravens can eat one third of their body weight at a time. That sounds like some people I know. Yeah, <laughs> I know, right? I know it. Ravens have excellent memories and intelligence. Ravens are one of the most intelligent animals on Earth. And ravens can be found in forests all over the world. Hmm. And the raven call can be heard up to a mile away. Do you know what a group of ravens is called? I was just looking that up. I love collective nouns. I'll give it to you. No, go ahead. Unkindness. Uh, an unkindness of unkindness. ravens. Unkindness. I like it. An unkindness. An unkindness. The ravens' vocabulary uh, consists of 20 different sounds. Ravens are not actually black. No? So that must be the oh, they're kind of purple, right? I, yeah. Uh, bluish, I guess. I'm just guessing. I don't really know for sure. The ravens can live about 30 years. And like me, the ravens have an impressive brain to body weight ratio. Hmm. And what else do I have on this raven thing? Oh, there's more. Uh, ravens uh, use vocalization to communicate, so they talk to each other. The call of a raven is an expression of triumph and power so hmm. we should do this at the end of the show we should end it with a raven call <laughs> oh, the, hey, that's what the patriots should have done <laughs> they should have done i would have i seem yeah. to remember somewhere that ravens some ravens use tools that's how advanced they are yeah ravens are found all over the world except antarctica and a male and female raven can be distinguished by their beaks Okay, this is from BBC Earth. This is from BBC yep. Earth. Uh, ravens as smart or smarter than us. It's well known that ravens, crows, and other members of the corvid family are more brain box than bird brain, but scientists continue to be astounded on how clever these avian Einsteins prove to be. One recent study claims that by four months old, ravens have full-blown cognitive skills, and before reaching full maturity, they can rival adult great apes. Another indicates that the problem-solving crows perform similarly to the children under seven years of age. And what is more remarkable is the scope of intelligence that these feathered masterminds display. 
They can plan for the future. Many animals undertake tasks that aid their future welfare, such as beavers, squirrels, storing food to eat when resources are scarce, but no animal other than humans and possibly some apes were thought to forward plan and map out the number of possible future outcomes. But it was proved for the first time that ravens had planning capabilities. In one experiment, they were trained to return a token in exchange for a food reward before then having to choose between several items, including a low-quality snack and one of the tokens. 73% of the time, the birds picked a token, assuming the better food would be provided rather than grab the food in front of them. <laughs> they have great, yeah, they have great memories. When corvids cleverly remember experiences that enhance their lives, such as in the experiment just mentioned, their feats of memory go way beyond this. As, as biologist John Musliff recorded that crows can hold a grudge. Oh, I like him already. He's discovered that birds... <laughs> He's discovered the birds remembered his face and didn't enjoy being caught and tagged by him. Not only that, they told other crows about this human troublemaker by yes. signaling danger when he appeared. So they resented him, too, and acted aggressively towards him. But crows also remember the good times, researchers revealed, that ravens are able to remember a human who cheated them out of a snack or also more positive towards humans who existed fairer behavior. And yes, they use tools. I got to tell you, before you get into tools, but... I got to tell you that I actually communicate with the ravens. And you're at your at the uh, love shack. At the love shack, yeah. Uh, whenever I see a a, a, a unkindness of uh, ravens and ravenettes, uh, I go out there and I I car at them, and uh, I usually leave them something, and they they uh, they remember that. Really. So you got yeah. friends, ravens? Do you recognize I do specific have ravens? No, I can't really. I wish I could, uh, but I can't. But they wreck me, which is the important thing. I want to so try to develop kind of a relationship with ravens now. You should. Better than turkeys, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> it's well documented. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. It's well documented that mm -hmm. Corvid can use tools to obtain food, but also use sticks to carry more than one item at once. Remarkably, the tool use is even more involved they found crows that understand the science of water displacement being able to add items to tubes containing liquids to secure a treat. But even more, I know people my age who don't know how to figure that out. But even yeah, more remarkably, research has shown that corvids can make tools as well as use them. Video evidence has been shared showing crows stripping bark from a twig and fashioning a hook, which they use to prize hard to, to, prize hard to reach foods from crevices. And they're problem solvers. Crows and other corvids aren't just great at using their memories, fashioning tools, and making plans. They can throw all these skills together to figure out complex puzzles. One genius bird, dubbed 007, was able to successfully <laughs> complete eight separate stages of a puzzle in correct order using tools such as stones and sticks. And a separate experiment indicated that while it took some birds longer to figure out the solution to this particular puzzle, they all figured it out in the end. Wow. That's cool, huh? Yeah, I'm going to try to develop a relationship with my ravens. You should. You should. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, that's they that's pretty cool. Yeah. It's been for a while. I've been doing this for years. So you've gotten pretty good at it. Do you, have you learned any language? Do you know what do you know what they say? Oh, do you you know like for example, when you have a dog or you know, you I make sounds. I make sounds that emulate this. I yeah. don't know if it's the right ones or not, but uh it's funny though because if I, I what's that for example i know my dog has barks i know i know what his barks mean yeah. i know when he's hung up outside i know when he's hungry i know you know i know right. i can tell they've got a language of sorts you can figure it out have you figured it out with the, with the ravens yet can you tell what they're what's going on with them do i can i make a specific pacific yeah i can't even talk so how the hell am i supposed to do it uh I, like I said, I emulate it, but I can tell like when I make a certain sound, for instance, they might come closer. If I make another sound, then they all go away. Oh, interesting. So it's pretty weird. Yeah, it, it's it's interesting. Um, you know, it's not like I go out there and go, you know, it's like you have yeah. to kind of like you listen, okay, because they make noise, as, as we know, we spoke. But uh, anyway, yeah, it's a cool nice. thing. Yep. Raven, ravens are our friends. <laughs> I like it. All right. So we're getting towards the end of the show. Do you want to try this raven poem? Sure. Who starts? We have time. 
I will start because the second verse sucks. <laughs> okay, go, go right ahead. I can't do the first second one. It will kill me for sure. Are we ready? Mm. Yep. Here you go. <clears throat> Once upon a midnight dreary, while I pondered weak and weary, over many a quaint and curious volume of forgotten lore, while I nodded, nearly napping, suddenly there was a tapping as see this is where I screw up. As some gentle as someone <laughs> see I told you, as okay, of someone gently rapping, rapping at my chamber door. Tis some visitor, I muttered, tapping at my chamber door. Only this and nothing more. Uh, distinctly, I remember it was in bleak December, and each separate dying ember wrought its ghost upon the floor. Eagerly, I wished the morrow. Vainly, I had sought to borrow from my books surcease of sorrow, sorrow for the lost Lenore, for the rare and radiant maiden whom the angels name Lenore, nameless here forevermore. And the silken, sad, uncertain rustling of each purple curtain thrilled me filled me with fantastic terrors never felt before. So that now, to still the beating of my heart, I stood repeating, "'Tis some visitor entreating entrance at my chamber door, some later entreating entrance at my chamber door." This is, uh, this is it, what? This it is and nothing more. <laughs> It is what it is. You right? know this is going to be bad. <laughs> yes. Presently, my soul grew stronger, hesitating then no longer. Sir, said I, or madam, truly for your forgiveness, I implore. But the fact that I was napping and so gently you came a rapping and so faintly you came a tapping, tapping at my chamber door. That I scarce was sure I heard you. Here, open wide the door. Darkness there and nothing more. Deep in the darkness, peering, long I stood there, wondering, fearing, doubting, dreaming, dreams no mortal ever dream, ever dared to dream before. But the silence was unbroken, and the stillness have no token. And the only word there is there spoken was the whisper, were whispered word, Lenore. This is, this I whispered, an echo murmured back the word, Lenore. Merely this and nothing more. Back into the chamber, turning all my soul within me burning. Soon again, I heard a tapping somewhere louder than before. Surely, I said, surely that it's something at my window lattice. Let me see then what the thereat is in this mystery explore. Let my heart be still a moment and this mystery explore. Tis the wind and nothing more. Open here, I flung the shutter. When with many flirt a flutter, in the stepped I stately raven of saintly days of yore, not at least, oh great, obstinance made he, not minute stopped or stayed he, but with mine, O Lord or Lady, perched above my chamber door, perched upon the burst of palace, just above the chamber door, perched and sat and nothing more. Then this ebony bird beguiling my sad fancy into smiling by the grave and stern decorum of the countenance it wore. Though thy crest be shorn and shaven thou, I said, art sure no craven, ghastly grim and ancient raven wandering from the nightly shore. Tell me what thy lordly name is on the night's plutonium shore. Quote the raven, nevermore. Much I marvel this urgently foul to hear the discourse so plainly, though it answered little meaning, little reverence bore. For we cannot help agreeing that no living human being ever yet was blessed with seeing bird above the chamber door. Bird or beast upon the sculpture bust above the chamber door with such name as nevermore. But the raven, sitting lonely on the placid bus, spoke only that one word as if his soul in that one word he did outpour. 
Nothing farther than he uttered, not a feather than he fluttered, till I scarcely more than uttered, other friends have flown before. On the moral he will leave me, and my hopes have flown before. The bird said, nevermore. Startled at the stillness broken by replies so aptly spoken, doubtless, said I, what it utters is its only stock in store, caught from some unhappy master whom unmercifully merciful disaster follow fast and follow faster till the songs once burdened bore till the dirges of hope and the melancholy burden bore oh never never more <laughs> but the raven still beguiling all my fancy into smiling straight i wheeled a cushioned seat in front of the bird and bust and door then upon the velvet sinking i betook myself to linking Fancy unto fancy, thinking this ominous bird of yore, what this grim, ungainly, ghastly, gaunt, and ominous bird of yore meant croaking, nevermore. This I sat engaged in guessing, no syllable expressing, to fowl whose fa fiery eyes now burned in, into my bosom core. This and more I sat divining with my head, at ease reclining on the cushions velvet's lining that lamp lit lamp light gloated or but <laughs> whose velvet velvet violet lining with lamp light gloat or she shall pass ah nevermore <laughs> then methought the air grew denser perfumed from an unseen censer swung by sephirim whose footfalls tinkled on the tufted floor wretch i cried thy god hath lent thee by these angels he has sent thee respite respite and nepenthe from thy memories of lenore quaff oh quaff this kind of nepenthe and forget the lost lenore quote the raven nevermore prophet and i evil of thing thing of evil prophet still if bird or devil whether tempter sent or whether tempest tossed the here ashore desolate yet all undaunted on the desert land enchanted on this home by horror haunted tell me truly i implore is there is there bomb in Kilry, Gilreed, tell me, tell me, I implore, quoteth the raven, nevermore. Prophet, said I, thing of evil, prophet still, if bird or devil, by that heaven that bends above us, by that God we both adore, tell this soul with sorrow laden, if within the distant Aden, it shall clasp a sainted maiden whose angels name Lenore, clasp a rare and radiant maiden whose angels name Lenore, quoth the raven, nevermore but that word our sign of potting bird or fiend i shrieked up starting get thee back into the tempest and the night plutonium shore leave no plume as a token of that lie thy soul have spoken leave thy loneliness unbroken quit the bust above my door take the beak from my heart from my heart uh, from out from out my heart and take thy form from off my door quote of the raven nevermore and the raven never flitting still is sitting still is sitting on the pallid bust of palace above my chamber door and his eyes have all the seeming of a demon's that is deeming and the light lamper o'er him streaming down throws his shadow on the floor and my soul from out that shadow still lies floating on the floor, shall be lifted nevermore. God, that's over. Thank you. <laughs> that was horrendous. I did I did uh, one of Poe's poems called Annie, uh, Ballad of Annie, I think, or a tribute in alley, or something like that. And I, I said that to Anne at one of the shows, and I went through the whole thing perfectly, which was great. Oh, wow. These, these wow. words, these words, these words are just like killing me. Anyway, Old English poetry. We want to thank yeah. Every... <laughs> yeah. 
we want to thank everybody for uh, listening. And remember, uh, Wednesday is uh, uh, Poe's birthday. So get yourself a cognac and give the wife a flower or significant other a flower. And like uh, yeah, happy birthday, Poe. That's it. From goalies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night, deliver us, good Lord.